the Askell Business Brunch. Hello and welcome to the Business Brunch podcast. My name's Hayley Dunn and I'm Askell's Business Leadership Specialist. I'm Louise Hatswell, I'm Askell's Conditions of Employment Specialist. And we're absolutely delighted to be joined by a special guest on the podcast today. So Rachel, can you introduce yourself and provide some context for our listeners about your role and your team's role within Askell, please? Okay, yeah, so I'm um, Deputy Director of Member Support and I'm the hotline leader. So Member Support really is the trade union branch of ASCO. It's uh, probably the reason why you why you joined us. I hope it's the reason why you joined us anyway. We get excellent advice from our specialists like Hayley and Louise, but when chips are down, you've joined a trade union and that's what we do. So hotline sits within member support and if you like we're in a sense with a triage aspect of member support which is that when members need answers to anything at all they call us and we see what we can do with it now about 75 percent of the calls we will actually deal with ourselves on hotline but there's another 25 percent that will get referred either to specialists like um, yourselves Hayley and Louise or to our, our regional and field officers if it's a member who's having difficulties with their employment. That's great. Um, Rachel, could you tell us how and when members are able to contact Hotline, please? Yes. So you can email us at any time. And if you go onto the ASCO website, there's a link there which um, gives you a, a little form to fill in so that we've got all the correct contact details to make sure that we're going to be able to get back to you. Because by and large, even to emails, we will respond with a telephone call. And you can call us um, during um, term times between 8.30 and 5 o'clock during the week. Uh, in holiday periods, that's 9 o'clock uh, to 5 o'clock. And at weekends, if you have an emergency or urgent query, which really can't wait till um, Monday morning, then and we're very, very happy for you to call us with that. Don't hesitate. If, you, if it's something you're getting agitated about, it's urgent. Call us. Um, and we're available between 10 o'clock and 3 o'clock at the weekends and also on bank holidays. That's really useful, Rachel, because I don't think perhaps not all members are probably aware that you do that sort of uh, weekends and those sort of extended hours. So I think that's really useful just as we're about to go into the, the Christmas festive period. Really useful for people to know that that's going to be available. It, um, it is, and it will be available throughout that time. So, you know, if somebody's getting very upset about something, if somebody's really starting to feel the pressure and they just can't let go of it, then there will be somebody available between 10 o'clock and 3 o'clock uh, from Christmas Eve right through until we start back again on the 4th of January. That's fantastic. And I'd imagine, Rachel, in terms of the calls and the topics that you get, that it changes over time. What are the most sort of common topics that you're currently being asked about by members? Yes, I had a little look this morning just to check to see what was coming up. Um, and it won't surprise you to know that there's uh, there's COVID related ones and they, they tend to be about the January testing and also about the new guidance, which has just come out about the uh, lateral flow testing which members do need to familiarise themselves with and and also some FAQs have just come out of that which are actually for once really really helpful. Yay! Um, <laughs> yes they are they actually are they answer some of the questions which were being asked yesterday which is good. Um, sadly restructuring is coming up again at the moment uh, it's you know it feels like a horrible early Christmas present for some people but that seems to be on the Again, the grievance and allegations, they often go away, but they're extremely stressful for people whilst they're, they're going on. And of course, over this last term, we've had those very um, specific related things, the issues which come up. So we've had lots of questions about Ofsted. That's been a, you know, a really contentious topic. Um, TikTok, which has been a, a great worry to our members, possibly not quite so much for our business members because they don't always come across the children 
quite as much as the teaching staff did. Um, although many of them, of course, do duties and so on. Um, and uh, exams has been another big one. Um, can you tell us what uh, business leaders tend to contact hotline about, Rachel? Is it slightly different? It, it is slightly different. Some are the same and some are different. So you would expect me to say business and financial issues. And those tend to be about really nitty gritty little points about them, because, of course, Business managers know everything that one could possibly want to know about those. I mean, when I was leading a school, I just went to my business manager and said, OK, just tell me. Just tell me what I should do about this one. And she told me. And I, I'm actually, I'm going to give her a shout out if that's OK, because she is still a, a working member of our school. So Loretta Cooper, if you're out there, I still think you're as wonderful as I thought you were then. Oh, I love uh, that. <laughs> she was fantastic. She kept me going through all through thick and thin. She really did. Um, Conditions that uh, very often that's you know that's something that business managers cover, but sometimes it's within their duties to actually do that. Um, and of course, we've got the inequities of business managers paying conditions compared to other members of, of senior leadership team, which is still unequal, wrongly, completely wrongly so, in my opinion. But it's still we, we're still not there with that. Um, management of staff that they have as big a staff as anybody else does, and uh, equally the same problems with them. SLT conflict, that's one actually which is coming up um, increasingly on hotline. Uh, and, and sometimes it's because of a lack of understanding and appreciation of the business manager's role. Um, restructuring, sadly, as well, with, with um, more schools going into mats and, and centralising services, we are finding that some business managers are being restructured out as well. That's definitely something that that we worry about with the sort of we, we know what the government's direction of travel yes. is in terms of families of schools. And it seems like it seems completely wrong because it's going to have this short term effect with with people leaving the profession when actually at a time we're going to need them as these structures um, mature. We're going to need those business leaders back in definitely. the system because they're going to need those skills and that experience. And that I, that definitely really worries Louise and I at the moment. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I, and I think one of the, the problems with um, restructuring both for business managers and for other, um, you know, members of the team leadership team, it, it's generally a financial issue. It's not usually because they really don't need them. It's because finances are restricted. And uh, sometimes that's inevitable. It's going to happen, but it's not a good reason to restructure. No, and it's such a short term view as well, isn't it? Yes. So um, talking with uh, one of your colleagues recently, they reflected that business leaders tend to use hotline in a slightly different way to, to other leaders that very often, which you've, you've already talked about this a little bit, they often know policy, policies and guidance absolutely inside out, but are sometimes looking outside of their organisation to sort of check details. Have, have you seen a similar pattern when you're talking to business leaders? Yes, I think so. And it, it is those little details. I mean, they, you know, they're very good at, at knowing what they need to know, absolutely brilliant understanding what they need to go, need to know there. Um, but I think um, that also, you know, we often talk about headship being a lonely experience um, and, and not quite knowing where to go sometimes. But I actually think the same is true for business managers, because more often than not, business managers are on their own in a school. Now, if they're in a mat, they may have other colleagues who they feel they can trust in other schools in the mat, and they may therefore feel they've got a bit of a network of business managers. Um, but I think that's, a, that's something else. You know, I, it is a lonely job when you're the only person in the school doing that role. Mm, completely agree. Um, 
do you find that members have usually read any newly released guidance or looked at the resources such as the the newsletter or frequently asked questions on our website uh, so they tend to call and want to check what a specific scenario might look like or check their understanding of it or an interpretation of you know some of the guidance is quite ambiguous at times i do i find business managers of all people are the people who do tend to read things very very thoroughly indeed um they're excellent at doing it i think it must be because they're so involved with financial stuff that they they know that they need to understand that um but, but of all our members i would say business managers understand read and understand the guidance that they need to do um and it does that i mean when we had for the first setting up um of the testing centers in schools uh, and now as well it's very very often business managers who are involved in the actual nitty-gritty and the, it, down to you know those those bits of of um, setting that up and i don't think it's any accident Hayley, that you've become a little bit our our guru on all matters to do with uh, testing centers and lateral flow tests and things like that um but i think business managers are the same and so very often because they found it quite hard to get responses out of, of, of the um, DFE about things, then they, they tend to turn to us. And of course, we're not a bad source to turn to because, because people like yourselves, Hayley and Louise and Julie are in touch with the DFE, it's quite a swift way sometimes of getting answers to questions. Absolutely. Just reflecting on that, um, uh, recently I was I was reading a message on Twitter where a school leader had said that they're almost at the point now where they'll read the DFE guidance, they'll wait to see what ASCOL says about it, and then they'll make their decisions because they feel that actually we're we're quite good at interpreting what school yes. leaders need to know and signposting to the, the essential stuff. Because one of the things that we find a real frustration, which we keep talking to the Department for Education about, is signposting the changes because that's yes. what school leaders you haven't got time to read a 60 page document all the way through to see the little nitty gritty bits of changes as a business leader or a school leader trust leader you really want to see really quickly okay what's changed so what do i need to implement what do i need to change in my risk assessment we find that so so frustrating it, it is it has marginally improved i think on the dfe website because at least now with all those guidance documents to do with covid um, they are signalling what the changes are which they have made. They tend not to say whereabouts in the document it is, and given that the documents are long, that you know in itself can be a bit of a challenge. But at, at least they do tell us what the latest change is. But keeping up with them is a quite quite a challenge. Quite a task. It is. <laughs> Absolutely. So just uh, changing tack slightly on our questioning, you've recently recorded a new team ASCL video briefing, which is free for our members to access and available on the website. How do you intend to use um, use these and what sort of topics are you going to be covering in these briefings? OK, so so it is about member support. So it is about that um, aspect, really, of how we can support members. So um, what we hope to do is to introduce one or two others of our teams. So, for example, you might find that instead of me appearing on it or it, it will be a different hotline officer um, or it might instead of um, Mike appearing on it, who's our, Mike Smith, who's our other deputy director of member support, instead of him, it might be a regional field officer. And what we'll probably do is we'll take a topic or a couple of topics that we are finding are the hot topics of the day. So, for example, um, we, we just talked about restructures. We might look at restructures and we might talk about what you need to do if you are told that you're subject to a restructure. Um, 
we might talk, uh, for example, about grievance and allegations and what we can actually do to support you if a grievance or allegation is raised against you. So that we'll take some of those topics in our own classifications, because we, we have a, a sort of a classification list of where we put them, um, and just try to give members a little bit more guidance on why they should come to us in the first place about them, and also what's likely to happen when they do. Sounds great. Um, we've seen quite a few worrying messages on social media uh, recently from some school leaders who really do appear to be at crisis point. Um, you know, the pandemic's really been ongoing now and they're at Wicca. It's almost like a deja vu, the situation that we're in now that looks almost identical to the situation we were in this time last year. Absolutely. How do, um, how do you and your colleagues support members in this situation if they contact Hotline? And have you got any resources that you could recommend to listeners? Yes. OK, so um, I completely agree with you. And I also believe that we are hearing from more people who are stressed out. So they might phone us about something, uh, you know, they might phone us about a, a business issue, for example. Uh, but actually, it's really clear during the phone call that they are feeling very stressed about everything that's going on uh, in school at the moment, uh, hardly surprisingly, um, and that they are feeling their workload has increased. And, and we will talk that through. We're very, very happy <clears throat> to talk through an issue with somebody. And sometimes that's enough because, you know, occasionally you're, you, you can't see the wood for the trees and you'll be thinking about something, you know, management and staff, for example, and you, you just don't know where to go with them next. And because we're sitting outside of the situation, sometimes we can suggest a course of action, which, which the member simply hasn't thought of, not because they're not highly experienced, but because they're so embroiled in it and so embroiled in everything else, they haven't got time to sit back and think. And so we can sometimes come up with a course of action. We're not counsellors. So if somebody is in a very, very distressed state, um, then we need to get suggest that they go elsewhere. So sometimes we will suggest to people that they go to their GP and get signed off and access counselling through their GP. I mean, it, 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 that's fairly extreme. It doesn't happen every day, um, but that will happen um, because we, we can't support people in that way. We're not trained to support people in that way. Uh, and very often as well, we'll signal them to go to the Education Support Partnership, which is um, educationsupportpartnership.org.uk online. And they do offer a counselling and mentoring services to any school professional who is finding life difficult. And they are absolutely excellent. We have very good feedback from them. Uh, people may have seen a couple of webinars which we um, delivered earlier this year with Sinead McBrearty. Um, yeah, I think she, she uh, did one for um, conference annual conference as well for the virtual annual conference this year. Um, uh, so we would urge people to to do that. That's really useful advice, Rachel. I've taken um, a couple of referrals this term, which obviously I won't talk about the details. It's not, a, not appropriate for me to do. But I found that for those people, just talking to somebody who wasn't connected to their organisation, I think yes. helped to so sometimes just talk through to try and get to try and get what the nub of the, the actual issue is. And, and the people that I've spoke to often workload is a big factor at the moment because not Definitely. only are they dealing with their usual day to day tasks, their usual business leadership tasks they're dealing with all of the covid tasks on top of that yes. but still being expected to to meet all those deadlines so the dfe the esfa the local authority deadlines 
all those things are still in place. They've still got to get things like um, the office has still got to get the attendance data done every day. So it's just that continuing added pressure and not seeing an end to it at the moment. I, th I think this has come, I feel like this Omicron variant to me has come at quite a shock. And I feel like we're in a similar place to where we were last Christmas with that yeah. uncertainty. It feels absolutely like that to me. Um, I, I mean, it, you know, it almost it started really, um, I think, with the setting up of the testing stations again to go back. And mercifully, it was only one test at the moment. Let's hope they don't have any good ideas to change that. With very short notice on both of those things, we had the mask wearing coming back into schools. And it, it does, we feel, and we know that attendance is dropping. Um, you know, anecdotally, I know of lots of schools where, where classes are having to go home, where lots of children, um, I mean, staffing has been a huge issue for schools, trying to get that sorted out. Um, you know, 25% of your staff are out, you've got an issue, really. Um, so so definitely, I, it, it really does feel, unfortunately, very like this time last year. Yeah, I completely agree. And one of the things you've already talked about is that sort of isolation. And I and I sometimes see that that um, business leaders, school leaders, are very much taking all of this on on their own, and they're working um, they're working through the weeknights, they're working through the weekends. How important do you think it is that school leaders that they share that workload, perhaps taking that different people are on call to make sure it's not the same person all the time? Okay, so so I was very worried when we had track and trace about that uh, because it, it felt like um, everybody in the SLT was was having to, to work on that. And I did try to persuade people that they needed to have a rotor to do that, um, you know, so that um, so that it, it, it was really important that that it wasn't everybody who was on all the time trying to deal with those things so that so that you know you might have two of your SLT on Saturday two of your SLT on Sunday if you had if you were a, a secondary school and had a reasonably big uh, senior leadership team then they might have the next weekend off and um, I, I think some of our heads and executive heads really felt that they weren't able to do that because they felt they couldn't leave that um, to other members of their SLT and so they should take that on themselves um, and I do understand that I do understand where they were coming from with that but I think it is important to make sure people have some time when they have downtime from what is going on. I think completely agree with that Rachel I think one of the issues as well I think for, for the sort of like the business leader and the heads it's because they're taking care of all their teams and not the whole staff it's then who looks after them and they've got to kind of prioritize themselves as well aren't they there um so finally what advice would you give to school leaders who you know perhaps they're starting to relax going to take some time off over the holidays and if they start to feel overwhelmed by the things that they're everything that they're dealing with and the thought of the things that they've got to deal with come january uh, i think there are two main things there for me um i think the first one is they really must take time off. And I mean, you know, not look at work emails, really not look at work emails. Have, uh, even if it's only two or three days when they don't do that, that they absolutely, they are, they shut that down and they do not look at it and they spend time doing whatever is the best thing for them. So if the best thing for them is to go out for a long walk on their own, Go out for a long walk on your own. And if it's if it's great to listen to a podcast while you're on that long walk on your own, then do that. 
uh, for me, uh, my my thing, as I think you, you all know, my thing is crafting. So I will bead or I will sew and I will do something difficult, which means I actually have to concentrate on it. And I can't think of anything else. And after an hour or two of doing that, I often do feel a lot better because I have completely forgotten about the other things that are going on. Um, for some people, it will be their grandchildren. That's another one for me, as you as you know. Um, for some people, it will be that family time, absolutely. Uh, for other people, um, it won't be. For it, it, So do what, I mean, it might be a book. You know, look at the Barton bookshelf. I do believe that's being released on Friday. Um, all of those things, think about what makes you feel better and make sure you have time to do it. When I was leading a school, a, a very dear friend said to me, Rachel, get hold of your diary and mark in that diary the times which are for you. And, and that didn't mean necessarily for you and your family. That meant for you doing what was going to make you feel OK. And it was the best advice I ever had, because not only did I do it, but because it was in my diary, I could actually see that it was there. And it was sort of time for me. So that was another one. Um, but if you are feeling that you need to talk to somebody, then talk to somebody so that that. The hotline is there. We've, I've told you that already. Education support partnership is there. Um, worst case scenario, if somebody is really feeling desperate, Samaritans are there. So, so you take care of yourselves. We we want you to be well, and we want you to come back all right in January. So please take care of yourselves. That's fantastic advice. Thank you, Rachel. If you don't mind, Rachel, there's just one other question that I wanted to ask you about, because I believe that one of your other hats that you wear is that you're a trustee of the Benevolent Fund. I am. Um, and I wondered what help that, that they're able to um, to provide. OK, so the Ascor Benevolent Fund exists to help uh, members or former members um, and Ascor staff and former members of Ascor staff who are um, suffering from financial difficulties. And by those financial difficulties, we mean they can't access things which they might otherwise be able to access. Um, so at the, at the, at the most, um, at the smallest end of what we do, I suppose, um, is that we can pay for counselling sessions. And when I say the smallest end, that's because actually £300 might feel a lot to a person who doesn't have any spare cash, particularly if they've lost their, their job or their they're, they're having a settlement agreement and they're not really not going to get very much in that settlement agreement. That might seem like a huge sum of money to spend. But for us on, on the Benevolent Fund, that's, that's a small amount of, of money. So we are able to do that. I mean, obviously, if you're you know, a member in receipt of a good salary, then, then that's not going to happen. Um, we are also I mean, I mean, if you know, if if people know of a member who's going through particularly difficult times, you can do things like just send a bunch of flowers. Uh, or a box of chocolates or a hamper and there, there are members and ex-members who will be in receipt of those for Christmas so that, that will have happened people who've had a bad time um over the um this term sometimes a regional officer will say to me Rachel can you arrange for the benevolent fund to send those members um a bunch of flowers and that will have happened um and then at the other extreme we have um members very very often past members um who are extremely ill so um who might have suffered a stroke for example or have motor neurone disease or multiple sclerosis who need adaptations made to their home and actually can't afford them because they're not in receipt of a salary any longer 
And we have paid for things like wet rooms or special chairs, um, all that sort of stuff to, to, to try to help members. Rachel that is absolutely amazing to hear that there's that legacy there to, to help some of our most vulnerable members and, and those in need uh, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you today thank you so much for joining us and I think our listeners will find that really really interesting it's so, been a pleasure thank you uh, that's a wrap for today thank you so much for joining us and we will be back soon we wish you all the very very best for the for the festive periods whether whether you're celebrating with your family if you're if you need support we are here for you please never hesitate to get in touch thanks for joining us the Askell business brunch 